0: Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome, welcome to our live interviews here on the Pivot Podcast. Today, I have a special guest, and I say special guest for a couple of different reasons. Number one, I had a chance to hang out with our guests before today's session, so I have all types of background and thoughts and questions, but also, I think what gets me really excited about today's topic is we're going to be talking about HR. We're going to be talking about, you know, how we take care of as business owners, you know, the people within our teams, the people that make our businesses great, the people that help us build these amazing businesses. And I think as vegans, we're often very concerned about the environment. We're very concerned about animal saving and taking care of animals. We're really concerned, you know, about kind of where the vegan movement goes. But there's not always a lot of dialogue about how do we create a culture within our organizations that supports people, that helps people feel like they're thriving, and the systems that we all need to do it. So as we're building these amazing vegan businesses, as we are building vegan organizations out there, I didn't forget about my social change folks either, I think it's really important that we talk about HR, we talk about the need to have someone or an expert like my guest Jay today to tap into so that we have a better understanding of how to bring our ethical standards inside our businesses inside our organizations so that our teams our employees even your freelancers that you have they thrive as well so my guest without further ado is Jay Barrett from Culture Canopy so Jay thank you so much for joining me today
1: Sure thank you Stephanie thanks for having me
0: Absolutely so today I thought we'd give people a little bit of background. I mean, I got the background. I got a chance to chat with you and just hear really just how amazing your background is and just the fact that we have now a vegan in this space that we can all tap into. But maybe allow us to get caught up. Maybe kind of rewind the clock a little bit and give us a sense of where you started kind of in, in HR and, and how you kind of found yourself in a place and understood the need to create your business, Culture Canopy?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, first thing I'll say is I'm from the UK, but based in the US because you're going to hear <laughs> hear an accent and wonder where where he's from. But yeah, I've been in the US now for seven years, just over seven years. And my career really started working in luxury fashion. I took a HR position and spent a long time working in that industry with some of the biggest brands, actually. And most importantly, Stella McCartney, which you know really aligns with My values, um, no leather, no fur. And really after a a kind of 12 year stint in that industry, really kind of feeling like I needed to do something else, thinking about how I could use my skills, how I could align that more to my values um, and really kind of recognize that working with many organizations at once was a a way to have kind of more impact. Um, So really passionate about working with small organizations, both for profit and not for profit. That are growing and and typically maybe need to focus a bit more on the HR topics or maybe they don't have someone responsible for HR. So how to kind of give a, a fraction of that or give an element of that and really help organizations think about how they scale, how they flourish, have healthy environments, respectful environments, and really create that sense of belonging. So I'm a pretty generalist HR, which means I've done a bit of everything. I've done recruitment, I've done talent systems. I've done payroll, I've done HR systems, budgeting, workforce planning, and so really thinking about how you bring all these different kind of specialisms to a smaller organisation to give them those elements. You know, so when it comes to kind of workforce planning, thinking about how is this organisation going to grow over time? What are you doing with your talent? How do those roles evolve? Do I have the roles I need? What skills might I need in six months' time? Which... You know, I'm a small business owner too. So sometimes it's hard to think about those things mm-hmm. early on. But actually, it is important to start having those kind of conversations and thoughts to start layering those things in. So you don't want to get to a point where you're at a significant size and you haven't started to layer some of that in. So that was kind of the sort of gap I I was noticing. And yeah, and really wanted to find a way to reach as many organizations as possible, offering them that. Fractional HR, and so it's working with those small organisations that maybe don't have any HR, and then working with organisations that maybe do, but to help strengthen them on on particular topics. But yeah, after you know a kind of long twelve years in a really stable conglomerate um, mm-hmm. in luxury fashion, I'm going to kind of take the jump and and try and create something myself. Yeah.
0: Which. You know, I love that. That's my big thing is like people taking what they do well, what they're passionate about, and being able to turn that into not only a business, but turn it into a business that can help the movement go forward. Because I think a lot of times when we think about our businesses kind of in, you know, this vegan space, you know, whether it's a vegan product or just a vegan kind of person behind it, um, helping the movement move forward I think a lot of times running our businesses can be challenging because for a lot of people, they're good at what they're good at, but the, you know, day-to-day responsibility can be overwhelming. And especially when you think about HR, and I, I think for a lot of people, when they think about HR, they kind of assume, well, when I get big, I'll worry about that then. But I'm curious, and this wasn't one of the questions I threw out to you before, so, you know, hopefully. You don't mind me throwing something out on the fly, but you know I, I wanna make sure our audience is listening and engaged because I think sometimes when people are small, they don't think, well, I'm not gonna have employees, so why do I need to do this? So maybe if we can dive into a little bit more, like why and when should every organization start engaging in this discussion? Because yes, maybe you're not running payroll yet. Maybe you're not, you know what I mean, have employees, but for many people, they have freelancers. For many people, they have individuals that, especially in my business, I had some freelancers who were with me for like eight years. So we had a significant relationship of working together and, you know, building a culture around how I interact with my team was really critical for me, even in the early stages of my business.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's critical really from, from the get-go. And I would say HR probably has a bit of a branding issue. It doesn't really seem like a, a cool thing to have to think about, although I hope I'm <laughs> contributing to changing that perception. And I think, you know, through the pandemic, HR has been repositioned to be a much more critical player in the organization. But yeah, I think HR is really helping you ultimately look at how you're going to achieve what you want to achieve. So, you know, if you're... Founder leading your business, you have a pretty good vision of what you want to do. And, you know, but you need HR to ultimately help bring that to life in terms of thinking about the systems that are going to contribute to a healthy, functioning work environment. And that includes everybody that's really in your sort of internal ecosystem. So, whether it's employees and freelancers, you know, is everybody kind of clear on how they deliver and what they need to deliver? Do they see the impact that's making? It's all those kind of things that. HR helps to facilitate, and yeah, I don't want to say own it, but really helps to facilitate it so that organizations can flourish internally. And I think, especially in our space, there can be this, I'd say, feeling that you can get a group of people together that are all very passionate about a topic, and that means that we're going to win, <laughs> or that, yes. you know, we we know exactly what we're going to do. We're all really passionate. We think the same. But actually, sometimes, you know, all, all the times, really, we need some different perspectives in that, but there are things that we don't know. And just bringing together a group of people that have the same vision or, you know, passionate about the same things doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to function um, in the most productive and impactful way. And so that's really the role that HR can help to play. So as well as those kind of operational things like how do I get people paid and how do I get a handbook and how do I hire people? That's an important part of HR, but you can probably figure some of those bits out (laughs) yourself without necessarily needing someone external. I think someone external coming in to help you is really when you start to get to the point of, like, how do we move our strategy into reality and how do we really engage people to deliver that? Again, do we have the right skills? Do we have, do we have everything that we need to really get where we want to go? And, yeah, thinking about those internal systems, team dynamics and context, like how are you navigating that? And really how are you setting everyone up for yeah. success in an inclusive Respectful um, environment where everyone really can can contribute and and ultimately you all win together. So that's a lot of how I like to look at HR. It's 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 bigger, <laughs> big picture. Thinking. I think that's
0: the thing I was going to say. It's it's really that big picture thinking because I think in our businesses we can get so tactical. We can think about the social media I have to get out or an email I have to do or I have a client meeting and or a presentation and it's like okay I can get my head around that because I know what time it is. I know what I have to do. And it's something that you do frequently. But sometimes I feel like for these HR kind of positions, they're not something you do all the time. So therefore, when you have to go through the interviewing process again, we all kind of dread it. Cause it's like, oh yeah, I got to send this out. Oh yeah, I have to send emails to confirm or let people know that they have interviews. How am I going to schedule the interviews? how I'm going to make the interviews consistent so I don't wake up on Tuesday and have one style of interviews. And then on Wednesday, (laughs) I have a totally different style of interviews because I'm in a different mood. So it's really, I think, sometimes helping people understand that when you're positioning your business for any level of growth, even if you think about the next 12 months, if you're going to be a team of one today, but in 12 months, you're going to be a team of three, that's significant growth. You know, I I think sometimes when people think about HR, they're like, oh, I'm waiting until I have like 20 people. And the idea is anytime you kind of double, triple your number of people on your team, things change in an organization. And that's where having somebody from an external standpoint of an HR role can really help. And that's been one of my biggest aha moments is how much of those things that maybe I don't do all the time need someone to come in and put a process in place, especially I would probably say the two things that I underestimated as a business owner and now I so value (laughs) through, you know, having my enlightenment for HR is the interview process and setting up a really comprehensive process on that documenting it, documenting who I interviewed, how and all that good stuff and my onboarding process. Because one thing that would happen is when we brought one new person onto the team, They didn't have access to the software they needed. They didn't meet the rest of the team or the team didn't know that I added someone. Like all these little things fell through the cracks until we created an onboarding process. So for me, those have been my two like aha HR things that really mattered in our business. Do you have any other recommendations or anything else that may be some aha moments or things that, especially people who are small business owners, that they should be considering putting in place?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think those are two really good examples of processes that really have to be thought out from a process perspective of like how we get this done, but also from a what experience do I want people interacting with my business for the first time as a candidate to have, or joining my business or organization as an employee. And really how do you set them up for success? Because again, I think I mean look, when you're when you're a smaller organization, there just isn't enough time to do all these things perfectly. And so It's like, how do you do this in the best way that you possibly can that speaks to your culture and really, you know, helps someone get embedded with the team? So I think they're two great processes, first of all. And then I think the other really important things to look at is to the extent you can, because maybe you don't know exactly how your organization is going to evolve over time. But it's thinking about really what talent you need as you grow and whether that means that you have to think about looking externally for that talent in the future or bringing it in as an external fractional, you know, contractor, similar to essentially the service that I offer clients. If you're going to help your team get to that stage so they can fulfill those roles that you might be in the future. And really what does that whole kind of workforce planning, what does the organization look like in the future? Even if it's going from three people to five, that does change the dynamics and it does shift the responsibilities. It's going to change the culture a bit. So being very intentional about this is who we are and this is how we maintain it or how we evolve it as we grow over time. Um, and also as you start to you know, layer in other people that manage people in the organization, they're gonna be further from your vision, right? As the founder of your organization. So you have to, again, be very intentional about what are those communication flows? How do we make sure that everyone really understands what we're doing, how they play their part? Um, and then I would say the final piece is around really that talent management. So I do not advise to put in place a conky one year annual performance process that you go through as like a tick box exercise, because one, everybody doesn't enjoy that. Um, And, you know, my question to that is always, is it adding value? And I think this is the risk with some of the HR processes, right, is that we layer these things in. as like it's all this process and we have to go through these things and that's what you're supposed to do. Yes, we need that. But you have to take from the process what makes sense for your organization. And again, for me, it's always really important to make sure that it speaks to the culture, it speaks to the organization that we want to be, and that we're putting those processes, communication flows, the channels in place, kind of like from the beginning or as early on as you can, so that everyone is really clear and can be successful. And so when it comes to you know, managing performance, like you have to give people feedback and that should be a more regular thing and done in the right way and coming from a, a place of, I care about you and here's what you need to know. And here's where I need you to get versus waiting for this one moment once a year to kind of everybody gets really built up for this conversation to say the things that we just needed to be saying to each other all year. And the fact that we didn't say it, we're now at this point of like, we have this mountain, right? This mountain to communicate, potentially damaging our relationship a little bit. So it's really thinking about that. I think in your culture of, you know, we're a culture of learning, a culture of continual improvement and we want to be able to have those transparent, honest conversations so that we can both win and so that we can both, you know, move forward and, and have success and, and have great stories to tell. Like that's, we spend a lot of our time together. So how do we come together to have that great impact and, um, yeah, reach yeah. the potential that we can reach?
0: I'm really glad you brought up the review process. Ironically, I just went through that with my team like a couple of weeks ago. So the timing is perfect. We started doing it twice a year Um, and it's kind of interesting that we're doing it twice a year. And I think it's more because our business is so nimble. We move and change so quickly at times that the reason we're doing that is to make sure that if any shift happens within our focus or our client base or things like that, we found that having those kind of, you know, review meetings and check-in meetings are so critical because sometimes the business will change And I don't want it to have the wrong impression. You know, when one client moves from here or there's more work on this side of the fence versus that side of the fence, it's not necessarily a reflection of anyone on my team. It's a shift that the client might have made. It's a shift in the market and things like that. So it's been interesting for us, especially as a small organization, to think about the fact, because even when we were considering doing two year. I was like, what? We're too small. That doesn't make sense. (laughs) You know, what do you mean? We're not just big organization. And what I found is having that schedule and really making sure if you are a business that does shift and change, or if you know you're going through significant change, like we knew, especially post pandemic, that we were gonna have like a two year period that was gonna be significant changes in our business structure, products, services, that we found- putting those reviews in place and putting it in twice was huge. So I just mentioning that because I know some of my audience is like, really, really? <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> and sometimes when I tell them that I'm doing it, they're like, oh, OK, then maybe I should be doing it, too. Um, yeah. So that's one reason I brought that up. Do you have any thoughts on, like you said, there's the review period that you can have once a year, twice a year. But what about that communication with your team, like you said, in between? because we've worked through a couple of different processes and things that worked for us. Like we use Slack for communications in between, you know, we do a team update channel so people can share, but you know, sometimes it can be hard not only to give feedback throughout the year and keep that feedback flowing, but I think sometimes, especially in this like remote workspace that we live in, people can feel like they're in silos and by themselves. So do you have any thoughts on How an organization, even when they're small, can keep that communication kind of flowing in their team, whether it's feedback, whether it's recognition, whether it's just camaraderie within the team.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think um, it's all about keeping agile, similar to the sort of performance process we just talked through. Growing, evolving organization, you know, things will shift over time. But I do think when it comes to communication, it's so critical to come together as a team and agree what those right channels are. We use Slack like for these kind of conversations. Like I need something from you right now. We want to keep it very social versus emails, so that everyone's kind of working in the same way. And it feels like you're all progressing, you know, in the same way. And you've got those things very clear versus I'm being kind of reached on five different communication channels. And it's so overwhelming. I don't know which one I'm responding to first. I see an alert there. I see an email there. So I think like agreeing that with your team, basically the ways of working. This is how we work. These are the expectations. If I send you an email at 5.30 p.m. and you finished at five, I don't expect you to respond. You know, so really getting those kind of boundaries, super clear. And then I think when it comes to kind of general organizational communication and things around feedback, it's looking at them in the different buckets. So anything around kind of strategy, determining the moments that you want it to be collaborative for everyone to have their input and the times that it is really top down like this is what it is but i think carving those moments out to have those conversations properly and the same for performance yes you probably have a one-to-one with each of the people in your team once a week to kind of go through their to-do list and anything pressing and you might touch on performance but you're probably not realistically going to talk about performance in a way that's impactful so i think it's carving out that right time to say this is the conversation every month where let's talk about performance. Like let's talk about what you feel is going well, what else you need from me and just any other ideas you've got. And let's keep our weekly one-to-ones to to what's on the to-do list. Like what's critical, what decisions do you need? The kind of the day-to-day business. So it's carving out that what's strategic, where do we collaborate? Where do we need everyone's input? The piece around performance. So when are we having those right conversations and focusing on performance? And not losing it in the kind of day-to-day business and what we need to discuss and agree on. And I think that's sometimes a lot of the, I want to say the hurdle or, and I don't want to say mistake, but I think it's sometimes where the focus on performance can get watered down, where it's like, we're having this conversation every week. And so we're talking about performance. We're probably not talking about performance in an impactful way. So I think it's really important to carve out those times and you know, give the people that you're going to have that conversation with The space and time to also come to that conversation with, here's what I feel and here's what I would like to change or what else I need. And so you really just, you know, have specific time to focus on those types of conversations.
0: I really like that because, yeah, that was one of the things that we struggled with is, you know, how do we separate out those conversations? How do we make sure that reviews are here, performance, or how do we optimize? How do we set up those sessions? And then the one-on-ones, I mean, that was really a tricky one for me as well, because I didn't want to be, you know, micromanaging and meeting with people too often. But I almost went the other direction was like, oh, I'll just meet whenever you need to. And that was a disaster. (laughs) And not because it was just a bad idea. It's because what I found is everyone has a different personality. And my folks that were a little more assertive, they would always get me. They would send me a message. I'd make sure I'd give them, you know, answer their questions and so forth. But my people who had personalities that were a little bit more introvert, my people who had personalities where, you know, they wanted to be more considerate of my time, they didn't ping me as often. They didn't ask for things as often. And what I realized is I wasn't giving them enough attention. I wasn't giving them enough time so that they could perform better. So therefore, I had to do the one-on-ones to make sure that everyone got the right amount of, I don't want to say attention, but the right amount of time to make sure that there's always a space for them to get questions answered, for me to talk about what's going on, to review tasks, and to prioritize. So it was a really interesting kind of moment for me where I realized how consistency and process helped everyone get kind of the same type of support across my team.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, that's the role when you're leading people is being able to determine what your team need in the right ways, because everyone is different. Some people need more structure. Some are good with the ambiguity and the freedom to go and figure it out. (laughs) And some people want to know this is exactly what I need to do. And these are the kind of boundaries that I work within. So it's finding really that Happy medium that works with everyone, and I think it's a lot about just yeah being clear on those roles, decision rights, and being very clear on kind of the boundaries that everyone operates within in their role. Because you want a mix of those two things. You want a mix of yeah the structure, and I'm on top of these things, and you want a mix of I can go and you know explore and dream and be creative and come up with all these amazing potential ideas for your business that maybe you're not thinking about. So. It's finding that right balance between you've got the freedom to go and explore, experiment with, and here's the kind of boundaries that you operate within.
0: Absolutely. And also realizing, I think one of my, you know, I guess another one of my aha moments is how much you have to be kind of nimble in this process, because you'll have a different team makeup. You know, if you've been in business for years, you know, when you've been in business five years, 10 years, what your team was like maybe in year one, two, three maybe totally different than what your team was like three through six. And realizing that your process will have to change as not only your kind of mix of team changes, but also sometimes you get a better clarification of your culture in your organization of what you really want it to be because your business shifts, your services shift. And I think having business owners being a little bit comfortable with the idea that some of this you're going to be Molding and shaping as you go, because you're going to have better and better visibility and better and better and more experience.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. Just remaining agile and kind of shifting things as as time moves on. And also, there may even become certain points in your organization where it becomes clearer about the culture you need, or you might really need to start thinking about really proactively reshaping that. You know, if you suddenly get, let's say, some investment or you know, you're really kind of ramping up quite quickly where you might have been a quite kind of family feeling organization when you're a group of five people. If you're now going to be 15 and you're operating as a very different organization with different expectations, different stakeholders involved in the success of the organization too, you might have to shift things. And I want to say professionalize, but it is a little bit more of moving towards, you know, how maybe a, a bigger business operates that you didn't think you were going to be when you started, that you started out. So I think that's, the important and beautiful thing about building a business is that flexibility to be agile, pivot and yeah move in the right direction that makes sense and I think that very much speaks to kind of internal culture and and if that is where your business is, I think it's being really clear with people that hey, we're on a journey, we're growing, this is really exciting, like we're headed somewhere, things might change over time. We don't know exactly what that looks like, but you know stick with us, and it's gonna be a tremendous experience for all of us. Absolutely. And
0: I think people appreciate those journeys these days because they start to see that a business is, you know, isn't too rigid. I think sometimes being too rigid can, you know, shorten your 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 lifespan kind of as as a business. So as people are listening today, as people are hearing our conversation, hopefully it's piquing their interest, hopefully they're like, oh, my goodness, I didn't think I should do that or I didn't realize <laughs> that I'm not doing that. You know, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? What's the best way for them to reach out to you so they can get a better understanding of how you can support them, how you can help them kind of on this journey?
1: Yeah, sure. So I guess the first thing to say is that I am a big supporter of helping organizations in this space, commercial and uh, not for profit. You can find more details on us at culturecanopy.com. You can find me on LinkedIn as well. We have an Instagram, Culture Canopy HR. But as I was saying, really wanting to help organizations in this space. So we do work in a a few different ways. So we do kind of direct services for organizations. And we also do pro bono support for organizations in animal advocacy, vegan advocacy space where they can't work with us. And also some movement-wide projects. And so I say that because you might be thinking there's some things that Jay's saying that resonate with me. And we might need some of that. But actually, we're just not at a point to... Hire HR consultant or HR consultancy, and that's totally fine. I would just invite you to kind of reach out and let's have conversations. And to the extent that you know we can provide support, we will and and guidance. So, yeah, really just want to help as many vegan businesses and ethical businesses maximize their impact because that's really how we're going to change the world.
0: Absolutely. Oh, I couldn't have said it better. And anyone who is listening, please, please, please reach out to Jay because. I do think sometimes we don't realize we need something, you know, because we're kind of waiting or we're focused on something else. And I think one of the beauties of being able to work with someone like yourself is that you can bring in someone who has that expertise. So when you know that your team is growing, when you know that you're making these pivots, even before you hire the next two, three three people, it's so important to have these discussions in advance and plan for it. That even if it's in November, it's beginning of January next year, it's amazing how having a conversation with an expert, especially someone like you, can help an organization and even a founder shape their vision, shape their timelines and have a better outcome. You know, have a better hiring process, have a better shift. And there may be things as a founder that we all do that we take on and we think we have to wear another hat in our organization and it may be time to let someone else wear that hat. <laughs> so I highly recommend that you reach out to Jay to just get a sense of, you know, how he can help you, how he can help you grow and how he can make sure that you have the systems in place to support you. So anybody out there, listen, 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 take action today and reach out to Jay and Culture and Canopy.
1: Amazing, yes, yeah. wear many hats. Absolutely.
0: So as we wrap up today, we went a little bit longer. We were talking about so much stuff. I always love to put the spotlight back on our founders who are part of the interview series here and talk about some of your journey. Just maybe talk about some of your maybe biggest lesson learned, one of your biggest aha moments, especially as you've stepped out and started this organization, that maybe as a Fellow entrepreneur with everyone else who's listening to today's session, were there any aha moments? Were there anything that was, you know, something that made you have to pivot? Or have you developed a really cool pivoting skill that you'd (laughs) like to share with our audience? Because I think for all of us, we find ourselves at crossroads at times from running our businesses and being able to kind of find the resilience and the, you know, gumption to, to push through can be difficult. And maybe hearing your words today might help someone.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the pivoting itself is probably the main thing. And I think you have to be prepared to pivot. I remember when I was kind of starting out, I was thinking, I'm only going to work with vegan businesses. I'm only going to do this. Or this is what I see organizations need. And actually, as you start to work with more organizations, that starts to shift. So I think the importance of pivoting to answer actually what your market needs versus what you think they need. So, yeah, how do you ultimately create the most impact. Um, And so, yeah, to just keep pivoting and refining, I think, what you're doing. And I I definitely say the refining. I think I've refined my website many times as I kind of get clearer on my messaging, I get clearer on what it is I'm offering and how I kind of show up um, and do things differently. So I think pivoting, refining, and taking time to enjoy the journey, um, which maybe I don't do enough of, so some (laughs) advice for myself. I think we're always you know, doing so much, and again, wearing so many hats, that sometimes we probably don't stop to recognize actually how much um, we've achieved. And so that's something I'm going to take away advice for myself, but also advice I would give other people to, when you're in the thick of it, sometimes look back and say, look at how far I actually came. It's amazing
0: great advice thank you so much and thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to answer all my questions and dive into hr it was really fun to kind of talk about and hear your expertise you know on you know how to put that culture in place how to make sure we have those communication processes in place you know whether it's onboarding or interviewing or you know all of those things that we talked about today so thank you thank you thank you i'm so glad we have an expert in our corner in the vegan space and i really hope to you know hear more and more about your success as you move forward so thanks
1: so much for your time today yeah thank you it was great to be here thanks for having me absolutely
0: and anyone who listened to us live or if you joined us for the recording or in our podcast thank you as always for joining. If you have any questions for our guests, please feel free to submit them. We will make sure our guests get them, or we will try to answer them for you as best as we can. As always, please, please, please visit our guest website, social media, and just support them because we always, always, always love to support our fellow vegan business owners. So remember, it's Culture Canopy. And as always, we appreciate you showing up and supporting us and listening to this series and podcast. And I will see many of you in our next session. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to Pivot, our vegan business interview podcast. This is recorded as a live streaming session. So I hope you'll join us for future interviews as well. We offer these interviews to help vegan entrepreneurs stay connected with the vegan business community. If you're interested in more in-depth insights or training, Please consider subscribing to one of our premium podcasts, going solo or fix it. Visit veganmainstream.com to learn more or click on the links in the show notes.